we were doing a lot of things on this film where people are like, don't work with kids. Don't do this. Don't do that. We were doing all of it and it all worked out, you know, so don't let anybody tell you, you, you shouldn't or can't do something. You can find a way to make it work if you have the right people. My name is West Givens and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with Aiden Casey, writer and director of the upcoming Tungsten original short film, Junk. Junk is a surreal horror film following one man's downward spiral in the wake of tragedy. We discussed how his experience as a producer prepared him for the role of director, the film's balance between a traditional and experimental structure, and how it felt to see it all come together after years of hard work. Today, we launched a fundraising campaign to push junk through post-production. Help us share this film with the world by visiting the first link in the description. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 71 of the Tungsten Originals Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me, West. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How are you doing, good sir? I'm doing really well. Um, you know, excited to be here. Yeah. I was just, I was just saying, this is like my Tonight Show moment. I'm. Uh, uh, this is. This is. This is big for me. So I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I feel like this is a long time coming. We met because we went to the same film school at SCAD. And um, recently started working together on your short film, Junk, which is a proud Tungsten original. So excited to have you in our lineup. And, um, you know, I'm excited to talk about that and all the short films that you've produced and, you know, your whole journey through SCAD and that kind of stuff. But before we dive into that, I want to learn a little bit more about like how you got into filmmaking, because I personally haven't even we haven't really talked about that. I feel like, um, you know, about your journey and stuff. So how did you find yourself into this art form i think i where i first found interest is um very similar to a lot of other film school kids um was really into star wars as a kid but it wasn't the movies themselves that really got me into it it was Mm -hmm. that the dvd collections had all of these really great behind the scenes featurettes and i would just devour those things (laughs) growing up and that's really what got me interested in filmmaking and made me realize that people actually make these things. Right. Yeah. And from there, I sort of, um, just started recording things. I actually have it right here on this little DV camera. Oh, awesome. Camera. (laughs) I still have it with me. That's great. And, um, just with like, you know, stuffed animals and stuff, I was pretty young. And then as I grew up, I got more interested in music and writing, um, throughout, like middle school and high school and eventually got a job at this art house theater that was um, outside of Chicago. And that's what really kind of reignited my love for film as I was starting to decide uh, what college I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I really do want to do this. So that's what uh, I decided to go to SCAD and really pursue it. Yeah. So my background was more in um, writing and um, you know, I was, I did, uh, creative writing, poetry, that kind of thing, and then transitioned into screenwriting and producing, directing. Gotcha. So whenever you went to SCAD, like as a freshman, you knew right away that you wanted to be in those writer, director, producer type of positions? Yes, but I didn't have 
any sort of grasp on what that exactly meant. Right. You know, I think mm-hmm. when I got to school, I was surprised by the breadth of knowledge that a lot of the other students had. Um, and I was a little intimidated by it. Um, cause a lot of kids like, you know, had already shot a few short films or had yeah. been festivals and that kind of thing. And I wasn't really expecting that. And, um, so yeah, I think I, I was originally a double major. I was a film and dramatic writing major. Mm. And I did that for about a year and a half and realized I didn't want to be in school for like five or six years. Exactly. I was like, I realized that I felt like I was learning more just being on set than Mm -hmm. I was in the classroom for film. So I made film my minor and dramatic writing my major Um, because I think I was more comfortable with writing because I was more in line with what my background was. And then kind of in my junior year, I started realizing I really had um, interest in producing and wanted to pursue directing. So I doubled down on the film thing even more. Right. Um, and just in my, all of my, my free time, produced senior films, directing the narratives, um, worked on my own experimental projects um, and was doing all my dramatic writing requirements as well. Yeah. So. I think if I was to do scat over, I'd probably do the same thing, a dramatic writing major and a film minor, because writing is something that's way more fit for a classroom than, mm-hmm. you know, your regular like production kind of stuff. The only point, yeah. or I shouldn't say the only point, but like the point of those classrooms is to create projects that you have to be on set for. And being on set is where you like really learn everything. So I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked out. I think I, I think if I had done it, the other way, I would have just ended up spending a lot of my time writing too. Right. That's, that's just sort of whatever I'm in school for, I end up finding something else interesting. It's just <laughs> how I am. So I, I don't know. It worked out for me. Um, yeah. It was a good path. And uh, yeah, I mean, the dramatic writing faculty were really the real, the real reason I decided to go down that track. Um, Cause they were great and so supportive and it's a fairly small major. So you have a lot right. of, you can build personal relationships with them. And I really enjoyed my time there. Um, treated me very well. I mean, I think professor sad with, um, who was, uh, or is a professor at SCAD. He does a lot of film classes and some writing classes. I think I remember him talking in like our intro to screenwriting class. If you want to be a director, you have to be a writer or that is a way that's how he became a director is he was just, he started writing, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of people who are like considering, um, film school because they want to be a director, which is virtually everybody, you know, I think a really good idea is to go down the writing path and then just like be on set as much as you can, because writing is such a, you have to do it like over and over and over and over again. And to be in that classroom setting where you have people like critiquing your scripts and stuff is really healthy. So I just think that's a, a solid way to do it. Like my, my good friend, Brooks McMahon, who, uh, has been on the podcast many, many times was film changed to dramatic writing. seems like a good, good idea. So I remember in my film 100 class, I had shuttle. I hope I'm pronouncing his name, right? Yeah. Shuttle. But yeah. he said there's, there's only, uh, two ways you can, become a director and that's being a writer or being an actor and i had no acting experience so <laughs> I was like, all right i'll i'll continue with the writing thing yeah and yeah it's really helpful because you 
I think, have a very different perspective on story. You have a much right. more nuts and bolts sort of perspective on it. And within the um, dramatic writing major, you end up learning a lot about structure and, um, you know, the different forms that takes in different genres, different formats of screenwriting, pilots, uh, features. And that encouraged me to having that base knowledge encouraged me to write projects that were much more out of the box and loosely structured because mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to get out of that mold. And right. like, I mean, that, I think junk kind of, um, fell within that spectrum of projects, but also, I mean, there, there was a structure there in the screenplay, but it's very sort of loose. And um, other projects I produced, like Wild Wild Us, was something I was attracted to because it was very, it was more of a poetic screenplay, screenplay right. than like a narrative-driven one. I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at your website earlier, and it is really interesting, this through line of the experimental form and breaking that mold, that, that mold is like throughout your work. You know what I mean? So um, is, is the breaking that structure the main appeal to you or whenever you started becoming a writer and a producer, like what was it that drew you to those out of the box films? Cause that's very different than something like a blueberries, which is quote unquote more traditional and has that structure. And it's just like a family drama, you know, obviously way different than junk. So what drew you to that? It, it, that's hard to say, but I think, I think breaking the structure is a part of it, but also I just am drawn to, unique visions and mm -hmm. with uh wild all dust julia corn wrote and directed it i ended up co-writing it um the vision was there from the very beginning you know right and we had worked on other projects before that and it, the specificity of it was very attractive to me and i felt like i hadn't really seen anything quite like what she was trying to do before mm -hmm. i think that was really um attractive to me in terms of that project but yeah i think I think you're right. There is that, that through line. Um, but I think part of that comes because I'm, I'm kind of intimidated by truly narrative projects because hmm. there that's an, there's a, there's an art to that. Having come from a screenwriting background, there's an art to crafting a narrative that is, it's very, uh, it's very delicate, you know, it, mm -hmm. and you need to get like a series of beats to lead to an emotional climax. And if you don't, if you get it wrong, it's just going to fall flat. You right. know what I mean? So it's, it's almost more intimidating to me than taking on a project where it's like, it's more intuitive and, mm. um, sort of, uh, you know, poetic and mm. is more up and up until up to interpretation and sort of breaks that form. Which isn't to say that one is better than the other, of course. Yeah, but like, totally. It's, um, I think I'm a little intimidated by like straight narrative projects. So that's why with, with junk, um, it, it was, it was very, it was bordering on sort of an experimental form, but I tried to push myself to keep it in a mm. narrative mold and in a, the genre mold of horror to challenge myself and, you know, really try to tackle that because also I didn't take directing the narrative in school, anything, mm -hmm. any project I worked on or directed before this was like a passion project, you know, 
or I was doing it for another friend's like producing class or something like that. So I didn't really have that sort of background knowledge in terms of, um, you know, directing a narrative. So this was kind of mm -hmm. me pushing myself to try to fit more into that mold. I do want to dive into Wild Wild Us a little bit because that is a short that I'm really, really a big fan of. And we actually had Julia on before I even shot like way, it seems like forever ago, yeah. whenever I was doing a series of people like- when we were doing the Indiegogo. Yeah, exactly. It was fall of uh, 2019 um, or fall or winter of 2019, whenever everyone was like raising their money. And um, it's such an interesting like idea. And so for people who haven't heard that episode, could you explain a little bit about Wild Wild Us and what that film is about? So Wild Wild Us is about uh, three friends who um, get lost in the woods um, and sort of embark on this existential journey and try to come closer to their sense of identity. Um, it's, it's a beautiful and really poetic film and we'll be releasing it online soon, actually. Awesome. So, um, people will have access to see it. Um, yeah, it, that, I mean, I have a, like a, a lot, a lot of fondness for that project. Yeah. Um, I made it with some, really great people. I'm very thankful that Julia uh, brought me on to produce it. And it was, uh, it was kind of the first project I had done, where I was like, at the kind of at the the center, not not the center of it, but like, I right. was part of that core team totally. from the very beginning until the very end. And that was like an incredibly fulfilling experience. And um, really cemented for me that this is what I wanted to do. And um, it also taught me a lot about how to work with people um, in a, in a, in a producer role, but also just in a sort of like, um, in a creative way. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that, that film is really special to me. I think it's, uh, I think it, I'm really happy with how it turned out. And um, yeah, man, it's just about some 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 friends uh getting lost in the getting lost in the woods yeah wild, getting weird, you know? yeah exactly <laughs> so as a producer when you're approaching a project like that that is poetic and ethereal and breaks the mold um you know when you're reading the script and, and you're talking to the director about the concept like how do you think about what can i bring to the table as a producer, because I feel like it would be harder to produce a project like that versus that more traditional sense that we were talking about, because, um, I mean, I don't know what the script looked like for wild, wild us, but I know that there's things that happen in the moment and you can come up with things on, on set and, you know, it's, it's more free flowing. So what do you think is like the most important thing to keep in mind as a producer when you're working? on those kinds of projects with filmmakers who like to kind of get in that free flow form. Yeah. I think the most important thing to keep in mind is what sort of structure or approach you want to take on the day or like what, what I can do to support that process. Um, that is a little bit more free, free flowing. And mm -hmm. part of that was talking to, um, our AD on the project, Kara, who's I think also a, a friend of the podcast. Big friend. And uh, 
<laughs> and sort of <laughs> discussing with her what approach she would take on the day in terms of, you know, scheduling the shoot and then um, making sure that all the resources were there for them to have mm-hmm. sort of um, the most free flowing um, kind of creative potential that they can. Right. In pre-production, we did a lot of like, there was, we, Julie and I went over the script and tried to sort of get the, the like tone or the exact moments that she wanted to get, get those as specific as possible so that on the day she knew like sort of the, the acorn of whatever that that inspiration was. And then Mm -hmm. she can kind of build it out around it. And we went into it with a lot of prep, like Evan and Julia, Evan McCormick was the DP. He, um, those guys like did a couple drafts of a shot list, you know? And so it wasn't like we were going in there with absolutely no prep, but you kind of have that background knowledge of like Mm -hmm. vaguely what you want to do. And then you get there on the day and you kind of improvise a little bit. Um, but that shoot was also interesting because we, they basically were kind of forced to make it up on the fly because we, we, <laughs> we got to the location. So we were shooting in the North Georgia wilderness about an yeah. hour north of Atlanta. And, you know, this is in, this is in February, you know, so it's not, we're shooting in winter and we're in the wilderness, we're in the woods. It's in kind of a mountainous terrain. But we, the last thing we were expecting was snow, you know, (laughs) and apparently it hadn't snowed in this area of Georgia for a few years. So we felt solid going in that that we would be fine. And of course, on our second day of shooting, it snowed like a foot or something (laughs) like that. So, and the film was supposed to be sort of like a summary, you know, uh, summary sort of season Mm -hmm. and I remember as the producer being like, holy, can we swear on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit, we're going to have to (laughs) reshoot this entire thing. We're going to have to do it again. And And another key detail, you're shooting on film. Oh, yeah. We're shooting on 16 (laughs) as well. So, like, this wasn't, um, you know, it was a complicated situation. (laughs) Yeah. There were a lot of moving parts. And there was a moment on the second day what we got up that morning everything was running really smoothly um i was driving to set with one of our actors ryan who's also a really great guy um and we were we we were the last to leave and i remember getting calls from people and they were like the roads are not good right now it's like it's they're not good because we're driving through these kind of um twisting and turning high mountain roads yeah. and like you when the car starts skidding out on the road because there's snow you know it, that's that's a problem and as a <laughs> producer like everybody's safety had to come first so mm-hmm. we got to set and it was snowing and it did look beautiful mm-hmm. and i remember the julia and the camera team wanted to really keep shooting and uh, I had to make the decision that it wasn't, we needed to go back cause it wasn't safe. So, um, we all got back to our Airbnb and I was kind of devastated cause I was like, yeah, we we're, were screwed. This was our weekend. Like mm. we're, we're, we're going to have to find another weekend. 
And then uh, Jules and Evan went kind of on a little walk and came back and were like, no, we're just going to shoot here. We're, we're going to shoot in like the woods behind the Airbnb and we're going to make it work. And thank God they went on that walk because it ended up really working for the film and is probably one of my favorite parts in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we ended up making our day too, which was good. Yeah. You know, but, um, I'm glad they did because also little did we know that COVID was right around the corner. So if oh, we yeah. had tried to schedule another weekend, right. We would never would have gotten made. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. um, that's kind of the, that's something I learned that's that I really respect with those, with those guys. And I've worked with them a lot and um, really appreciate working with them is that like from a producer standpoint, you're thinking like very logistically, but from a, you have to be open to new creative possibilities Mm -hmm. and sort of um, being open to your plan being kind of thrown out the window and you just got to go with it. So that was a learning curve for yeah. for me. It was that was a wild shoot, man. That was, <laughs> it was wild. The, we are um, some people ended up making an igloo out of all the snow that day. So we had an igloo in the front yard of our Airbnb. We were staying in this cabin, and there was just this massive igloo. And um, yeah, it was. I, I think about that shoot a lot. It was a lot of fun, and it was the last. I think it was like the last real project i did before COVID hit too. yeah so it was um i, I had, there's a it was it's from a different time you know what i mean yeah totally i i, I want to dive into junk because that is you know the film that you're currently working on and that we shot back in january so can you tell us about about junk the story i really want to get into the weeds with it because i it's a i really really love the project and i want to share that with people thank you um yeah so junk is a short horror film um about a father who is haunted by the loss of his child um metaphorically and literally um and uh it's it's really a film about you know grief and loss but also about uh acceptance and um accepting that you can't change the past and uh, you know uh, learning to kind of love yourself again mm-hmm. um you know so it was a, a project that i had been dreaming up for a long time i originally the original concept for it came to me a couple years ago at this point but it was a project that took a long time to sort of get off the ground mm-hmm. and we i had originally planned to shoot it sort of as my as my final project my final portfolio piece out of going out of college and this was with the assumption that we would have access to scat equipment and those resources and then COVID hit and i wasn't really sure that i would be able to make the project mm-hmm. for a long time um and i also wasn't sure what the future kind of held for me for a while i I'm in New York now and I really wanted to get there. Um, but I didn't know how I was going to get there or like, cause New York was messed up very yeah. early on and COVID really bad. Yeah. And, um, so I didn't know what my plan was going to be. And I ended up deciding to stay in Savannah for almost another year 
Um, and, you know, eventually I was like, this is the last chance I'm going to have to make one to do this project probably for the next couple of years, just because of the logistics of it. I wouldn't be able to do it once I moved to New York, um, you know, with this network of people that I kind of knew. And then in Savannah, this would, would be my last chance to really do a project in Savannah. So eventually I was just, I said, we're going to do it. And I approached, um, Joe Lee is a really talented filmmaker, a really good friend of mine. And, um, uh, at, to be the lead producer on the film and the editor, um, we had worked together a bunch in the past and then we ended up bringing it to you. We brought it to Lauren, to Reagan. And from there we just sort of went with it. And it was, um, I mean, and it was not in like a, considering everything we were up against yeah to, to make this film like the the scale of it and the the state of the world you know mm-hmm. um, i'm really proud of the team of everybody involved that we were able to get through production and make it happen because you remember that we had to delay production a couple times after we had decided to move forward with it in september of 2020 i think we were originally going to shoot in December and then we decided to shoot in early January. And then the, a couple weeks out, the pandemic was just get, getting worse and worse. Yeah. And a couple of our crew members got sick and we were like, okay, we <laughs> let's delay it one more time. And we decided to go end of January and, uh, we all had our fingers crossed and luckily we yeah. made it through. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really and now we're in post and that the interesting part now is that it's I, now that I moved out of Savannah and Joe is still based in Savannah. He's still in school. I'm in New York. I'm starting to work, um, sort of coordinating schedules and really taking the time to get into the nuts and bolts of the mm-hmm. edit. It's been a little bit of a hurdle, but it's right. It's moving. It's going well. So, yeah, it's been it's been an uphill battle to get this thing made from the get go. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a passion project. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm very glad that Tungsten wanted to be a part of it. And all yeah, the other, absolutely. All of our other wonderful collaborators and crew mm. members on this thing. I really could not have been. Um, I really could not have had a better group of people uh, come on to help make this project. So yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all came on, of course, obviously we trust you as a filmmaker and, and want to work with you, but I personally was really blown away by the script and I can feel like you can tell when you read a script by a writer versus a director. And that's kind of a weird thing to say, but like, you're a very good writer. (laughs) And so I really, really enjoyed the script and I actually like felt like the the horrific nature of it and um it like really impacted me when i read it which is i think saying something because it's just kind of words on a page but i could definitely i could like see it and feel it so i do want to dive into the script because you're a great screenwriter and obviously that's like where you're more classically trained from from school so why write the script as that kind of middle ground between the traditional narrative and the uh, experimental stuff that you're more used to, like, cause I, I know that you kind of wanted to challenge yourself in that way 
to tell the story in that way? I think that the nature of the story, um, I always try to go back to what the the nature of the story is and what form it wants to take um, and not try to force it into any particular mold. And the way my writing process works is usually I'll do like a, like a treatment and just sort of write everything out in prose and then kind of just do one pass. If it's a short, just do one pass and write the whole first draft just in one sitting based off the treatment. And that'll sort of dictate the, the, the rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'll just sort of tweak things from there. So that's just kind of, that's kind of the form it took originally when the first, and it changed a lot over the like, um, the years writing this project. Um, originally, I think it was more more of a narrative, and then it got more experimental, and then it kind mm. of came back around to becoming more of a narrative toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because the nature of the story about um, a father who is experiencing this um, sort of sense of loss and going through the the events of the story. I think that warranted sort of more of a um, classical treatment to it, um, right? Because it's a very, it's like a very sad, serious subject matter. So I wanted to do it justice in trying to um, keep more of a traditional narrative mold on it and keep that classical approach, as opposed to like, which isn't to say that you couldn't do that sort of story justice in a more abstract experimental form. Um, but I didn't want to shy away from it at all. Right. You know, I didn't want to sort of hide behind like this experimental mold. So that's kind of where that came from trying to push myself to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, like just cause I am who I am and I write kind of, absurd surreal things that's where those other elements kind of found their way in just because that's that's just me you know do you think working on wild wild us and all the the things that y'all went through and all the obstacles that you overcame and also being a co-writer and like you said one of the people at the core of that project do you think that sets you up to be more confident to work on junk because i mean just so everyone knows like junk there was a pretty big undertaking, like you were saying, I mean, obviously filming during COVID, it was also like the worst time of COVID in Georgia. Like if you, you look at the charts, it was the worst. It was the time in which COVID was the worst there, but also like a bigger budget and a bigger crew and your building sets and all this kind of stuff. So do you think Wild Dust sets you up in a way? Yeah. I think that having the, the chaos of Wild Wild Dust was, and I mean that in the most beautiful and endearing mm-hmm. way, like the chaos of what that shoot was kind of prepared me for what the chaos of this film would be um, in a lot of ways. And it gave me a lot of confidence, I think, as a as an actual like filmmaker, because mm-hmm. before that, like I had said, I'd been doing a lot of smaller projects that were just me and a couple friends. And then Wild Wild Dust was like a kind of, the first real substantial thing I had been involved with from beginning until end. And then, yeah, so it definitely gave me a lot of confidence and 
seeing Julia and what her approach to um, directing was, was also very, um, gave me a lot of insight. And um, so, and then in through that gave me confidence because um, the way she was able to sort of handle all the shit that went wrong on that set and take right. it in jest and then still be able to create a beautiful product out of it. I was like, okay, well, if she can do that when right. we're dealing with a foot of snow <laughs> when we're outside in the wilderness, I can do this when we all just have to wear, you know, masks and take some safety procedures. Right. And um yeah, the, I think the it in um yeah, I, I think it it prepared me for the how ambitious this project was. But mm-hmm. the project also junk kind of like grew in scale almost as pre-production began. Cause when we first started, it, w- it was, or- it was originally going to be the, a much smaller thing. Yeah. And as we got deeper into pre-production, it, we sort of realized like, okay, so we are going to, because of the nature of the story, we are going to have to build uh, a set for the, right. The, the, the nursery in the film. And we're like, okay, so how are we going to do that? And um, Lauren, one of the, Lauren Batista, one of the other producers on the film, um, brought on Lila, who's our production designer. And she um, gave me all the confidence in the world that we yeah, were going to be able it. to build it and do yeah. it. And um, yeah, she she absolutely killed it. And um, so a lot of that, a lot of part of the, the confidence came from my background, but the other part of it definitely came from having like a really good solid group of people we yeah. were working with on it and believing in their ability and um being being able to kind of for the first time sort of step back and take more of like the um creative role as opposed to a logistical right. one i mean i ended up sort of in the background helping with logistics and stuff as we got yeah. closer to the shoot but i was really thankful because i was able to um you know uh focus on a lot of the creative aspect or all of the creative aspects of it. Do you find yourself, did you find yourself at all wishing that you could be more involved in the logistics or were you kind of relishing that you got to be a director instead of a producer? Both. I, I, I like didn't, I, this, so I, one thing that I maybe was struggling with was like questioning how, as a director, how involved should I be with the logistics of everything? Because I didn't want to have coming from a producing background. I didn't want to be overbearing and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of loom over all the producers. So I tried to take more of like a, a step back. Um, but in other ways, maybe I, I think maybe I should have been a little more, um, forward with trying to help make the logistical things happen. But I think I was, I think I was there and maybe I'm just, yeah, definitely. Right. You know, yeah, I'm I just curious about was, the mindset. I was really trying to relish the, I was really trying to relish, like you said, the creative process of it. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was a learning curve for me because mm-hmm. uh, all the projects I'd done before this were very, my involvement was, I had, there was a creative aspect to it, but it was much more logistically um, involved. So this was right. taking that step back was a little bit of a, of a, a strain on me, I think, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I grew out of it and 
ended up working out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was really funny. Reagan, who is, of course, a producer at Tungsten and was a producer on Junk. She became a producer on Junk before she was at Tungsten. But um, <laughs> we would have like producers meeting. It'd be all of us. And of course, you'd be there. And we all just be talking about updates and everything. <laughs> and you would kind of just like sit there <laughs> and just like consume it. And we could never tell if you were furious or confident or whatever and so reagan and i would often have like we would have meetings after a junk meeting where it'd just be her and i and you know of course we're talking about tungsten and everything and i'd be like is he good like not in a necessarily a bad way but like what's what's going through his mind like we really could not tell what it was like and then we were hanging out at uh kara's apartment and i told you that and it was just it was just very funny it was never like we never thought badly of you or like made, it made us angry. No, no. we were just worried that we weren't doing a good job no that's just dude that's just like me i'm so i'm like i i don't know man that's just my face you know? <laughs> yeah well that's what's funny is that after the meeting at, or at the end of the meeting i'd be like aiden how are you feeling and you'd be like awesome i'm really excited <laughs> and you <laughs> you would you would perk up when prompted it was just it's it's it is funny that dichotomy of going from producer to director you know a lot of those times i just had my you know like had my thinking cap on you know? <laughs> totally but one one thing i learned throughout the process of doing junk especially in the role of a director um was like you have to i was learning that you you have to really exude vibe you're curating the vibe of the film itself but also whatever the the atmosphere of the crew and everything is that's going to find its way into the film as well and into the culture of the the production so i was i learned that like i you know i need to be positive and and confident and all these things which i i am internally but i'm also very shy so it, it can be difficult for me to like you know uh, sort of give off the, that vibe sometimes so um and it was it's also also difficult because we were all remote. I mean, we we're right. working on this thing. Everybody was remote. We mm -hmm. really nobody was in the same room together up until maybe like a week before production started. So that was another thing where it's like I don't I like you have to remember I'm like, oh, everybody can see me right now. <laughs> <laughs> like you know what I mean? But no, I mean I had all like I said, I was it was um i had all the confidence in the world and in you guys and like i was couldn't be more happy with how things went you know man i wished so much that i could be on set i was so bummed that i couldn't yeah couldn't be there um because those small like that's yeah. we i'm them. so excited to get back on those small sets you know what i mean after working just yesterday when we we're recording this i finished uh they wrapped law and order svu season 22 so i am no longer I'm unemployed <laughs> now. I'm not working on that show anymore. But after being on that huge corporate show with uh, 300 people working on it and all that kind of stuff, it made me really want to get on those small sets. Um, not that they're necessarily better or worse, but it just, I was drawn to like be on set again, not as a COVID PA, not asking people the same through questions and taking temperatures and that kind of stuff. So that's in that same conversation about going from producer direct to director. Since I filmed, um, since I directed the third episode of Reconnection, which is Seth Cunningham's project, he's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, I didn't write that, but I directed the third episode. Since then, I haven't directed anything, you know, of my own. I've been a producer helping a lot of people through Tungsten, 
and that kind of stuff. But I'm so excited to relish in the creative part of it because that's really my flow state. You know what I mean? Um, but I want to get in your head a little bit. Like you get to set and you've been working on this project for years. You originally wrote it a couple of years ago. And of course, we both know all of the different hurdles that we had to overcome to make it. We delayed shooting three times almost and all this kind of stuff. And then specifically, I want to go to the warehouse where they built the set because that's got to be an interesting feeling to show up and have this set built from scratch. Fun fact, in the exact same storage unit that they built the set for Pink in, which is also a Tungsten original, the exact same storage unit. And I just kind of want to know how it feels to show up and have this thing that's been built for you and for your idea. This idea that you wrote a couple years ago is now like literal and in front of you. Yeah. Take me there. It was an amazing, it was really like a transcendent feeling. Um, it was, it, it was funny because we, because of the timeline and just some events that ended up happening the i didn't see the set until the night before we were supposed to shoot <laughs> so i forgot I, that. I had i was like i know this thing is going to come together and uh and then i wouldn't have even seen it the night before but joe lee and i had to go drop some stuff off there after we wrapped the first location um so we were just went into the unit and I saw the, I had seen the structure of it being built sort of like piece, sort of at different uh, points in the process. Right. So I had no, I like seen the, you know, the, um, it's almost, it was almost like a little house because yeah, this was, it was more complicated than like a normal set there. It wasn't just flats. Like we built a roof structure on it because we wanted this sort of like peaked roof, um, to create this shape. Um, and, uh, so I, when I walked into it for the first time, I was like, I was like, it was like walking into a church or something. Yeah. It was like the atmosphere was, was just there. And, um, right. yeah, Lila and her team killed it. It was, uh, it, I was just, I was really amazed and, um, really invigorated by it and incredibly excited. And, that next day when we showed up to shoot, it was just kind of, I, it was lucky because we had already been in the flow of everything because we'd been right. shooting for a couple days prior to that. And it was, uh, it, it was like perfectly, the space was a little, I mean, like a little cramped, but otherwise it was pretty much perfectly suited for us. And it was, it was like stepping into another world going yeah. in there. And um, yeah, I, it was it was really an amazing feeling. It was, mm -hmm. it really felt like the film was, was like there. And I just, right. we just had to grab it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, just based on the space itself. So, and I feel like when you're doing um, independent short form, like especially student or like straight out of college sort of work, you're a lot of the times you don't, a lot of, a lot of the times not as much attention can be paid on to the production design than you would ideally like. So with this film, it was incredibly important just because of the nature of the story mm -hmm. that the production design is really on point. And um, 
yeah, Lila and her team delivered, like, uh, and it, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling walking in there for the first time. It was amazing being in there and working in there. Um, I feel like that's really when I started to hit my kind of my stride yeah. as a director when we moved into the the unit and started working on the set. Yeah, it, it was so cool to, like you said, watch the process and then see the final product because um, when you're in pre-production for so long, I feel like you can just, from a producer's standpoint, but also probably from a director's standpoint, like you just get so concerned about the next day. And I mean, I, you know, I was like the, Reagan and I were the COVID people. So we're worried about testing and taking temperatures and like, are we going to, is it going to work? Is it going to work? And I think those are the moments where you kind of peek your head above sand and you're like, we're making a movie. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you yeah. need to feel that because it's, you, you want to enjoy it. And it's good to remind yourself like that, even though it's logistically a nightmare and really difficult to do. And it'd be easier if you never wanted to make a movie again. Like those are the moments that that's at least I feel like why we show up and why we go through all of the hurdles. Um, Cause then, then it's your vision is coming to life and that's just a, a, a beautiful thing that a lot of people can't say. So um, it was so, so cool to see. I want to talk about your relationship with your cast because you were the casting director for Blueberries and did a fantastic job casting them. And I'm so glad that the original cast is still able to, you know, be in this, uh, this shoot that we're doing in June in a couple of months. And I loved working with you in that capacity. You obviously have a really good eye for, um, actors and like who's right for the role so how did that experience affect casting junk but also affect your relationship working with them because we have you had two twin kids working on it so um you know working with kids can be difficult but how was it working with your actors like what's your approach to that from the get-go we were set up really well for casting because we were uh collaborating with Jewel Hamrick, who I had worked with. Um, he's been on the podcast. Yeah, he has been. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think you guys have worked together in the past, and he's a great guy. I worked with him in um, the SCAD casting office, so I knew his ability, and he had a great eye and great work ethic. So I I really wanted to work with him on the project, and he really came through, um, especially in – in the beginning, we are in our first meeting, we were discussing how, what form is this going to take? Are we going to do an in-person casting session? And then what would the logistics of that be because of COVID? Okay, are we going to do it online? Are we going to do self-tapes? And um, he handled everything very gracefully and brought on an awesome selection of people. Um, I think ultimately, the our lead for the role of Lenny um, Russell Sheely came to us through an open call. Um, but he had worked on several other like SCAD related projects in the past, I think. And so he, um, from the, uh, from the get go was, uh, you could just tell the, his talent, it, it was leaping out of him. And, um, I learned later on, uh, when we got closer to the shooting that he d wasn't, classically trained and didn't really have like uh, any sort of formal background in acting. And he had just, you know, kind of gotten into it a couple years prior and just been doing it regularly and found his passion in it and was incredibly talented. Yeah, that's pretty incredible considering his performance. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. And I mean, the dude, um, I'm in awe of him because he, 
his his process. I don't want to do it any injustice by trying to describe it here because that that wouldn't um, I would butcher it. But like his process is is really raw and fascinating and worked especially well for this character and what this character's experience was. And um, working with him was was amazing. It was so fulfilling. Um, we what I really liked about that process is that we were always trying to find like the truth of whatever the moment we were shooting was um, and not trying to sort of fit it into something it wasn't trying to be. We weren't trying to put a square, square peg in a round hole. And he was really a help to me because that was, that was, that's always his perspective. And I think as a, as a director, sometimes you can kind of get lost in, okay, like what's the shot? What, what's, you know, what are we doing? What's there's so many moving pieces that you can almost, the performance can kind of get lost. And, um, right. So he was very grounding in that way in his, in his process and what he brought to the film. And, um, you know, his experience, his life experience as well. Um, he's, uh, you know, older than me and had sort of been a, a father figure and a family unit before. And, so he brought sort of a, a background knowledge. I don't know necessarily if he tapped into that for the film, um, but he had sort of a, a breadth of experience that me as a younger person, I was not able to bring to it. So that also made it a much more fruit, fruitful collaboration. And yeah, man, he was just a joy to work with. And he also like his, his, uh, for lack of a better term, his vibe on set was incredibly constructive and positive. And he was always down for all the crazy things that we had to do to get this thing made. And um, yeah, that was an amazing, really fruitful experience. I also, you know, I hadn't had much experience working with actors up until this point. Other Mm -hmm. stuff I had directed had been more um, working with like non-actors and that kind of thing. So somebody who did it professionally coming on set, it brought a, a, an air of um, one like professionalism, but also just, you know, this really fruitful creative experience. Um, mm-hmm. It was a learning experience for me and um, it, it was incredibly fruitful. Mm-hmm. And working with the twins, uh, Eitan and Matan, those guys are they're they're true professionals as well yeah. they they have been doing they also uh, dealt with a lot <laughs> yeah they and really they did they had to do some like special effects makeup for the film yeah. and they're you know these are three four-year-old kids and um they really came through for us um and did a great job and it was a lot of fun and really fulfilling working with them as well um you know, a bit of a learning curve, um, right. but of course for, for me more so. There's and, a great uh, BTS picture. We'll throw it on screen. It's of you holding one of them and talking to Lenny. I think it's such a great, I love that picture. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun having the kids on set. I mean, of, mm-hmm. of course, when you have kids on set, especially really young kids there, um, it changes the workflow, you know, right. so you really have to be, like you have to be on top of your shit, but you also have to be really adaptable. And that's a, mm. that's a testament to, um, our special effects, makeup artist, Bailey, 
and her assistant Lily on the film and also our AD Sasha and how yeah. they were able to make it work with um, what the kids needed and the time they needed to get ready and all of that. And then making it work within the amount of time we had with them on set because you're mm-hmm. limited to a certain amount of time. Um, so yeah, it all, it will all went beautifully and yeah. um it was fulfilling. I mean, we were doing a lot of things on this film where people are like, don't work with kids. Don't do this. Don't do that. We were doing all of it and it all worked out, you know? So I don't know. Don't let anybody tell you, you, you shouldn't or can't do something. You can find a way to make it work. um, Yeah. If you have the right people. Absolutely. And you know, those six days of production came and went and now you're in post-production, sadly Mm -hmm. still remote. How does it feel to see it come together? Um, I know sometimes as a director, it can be exciting, but like, I think there's some director or famous director quote. That's like every director should hate their first cut. Like if you don't hate it, if you're not worried that the film is ruined or whatever, then that's not, it's not going well because you have this perfect view in your head. And sometimes it may not live up to that, but how does it feel to be in post-production right now? It feels, I'm, I'm very, I'm very pleased to be in post-production because we immediately after we wrapped, which was like June 20, June 26th or something, very end of June, January. Yeah. Or January, excuse me. I had to move out of Savannah. I moved back home for a month. And Joe Lee, who is a producer on the film, the editor, who's also a great director in his own right, had to shoot, he was still in school, had to shoot his senior like within a month after that. So there was a lot of, we basically, and then, you know, I ended up being at home and I had to, had some responsibilities at home I had to take care of. And then I moved out here to New York. And, uh, and so it's been a lot of like, we had to take an extended break because it just, we, we wouldn't have been able to dedicate the time right. to it um, that we would have needed. So now that things are settling down a little bit, only just now starting to settle down since we, because really since we wrapped drunk, it's been like one thing after the other, basically, uh, which has been really exciting, but also um, a little constricting in terms of how much time we've been able to dedicate to it. But now the times um, things are starting to settle down, uh, I'm really excited because we're actually really starting to now be able to do like a real deep dive into it. Um, and yeah, you know, there, there is that first, that first, uh, that first cut that you're like, Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, <laughs> but <Uh-oh. laughs> you know, things, yeah, you gotta get the, you gotta get the, uh, the, the shape, the shape of it. Right. And then you can start molding it, you know? So, and then it starts, it starts slowly to become closer and closer to the vision. And like you said, you can never, I don't think you're ever going to match exactly what was in your head. And you have to mm-hmm. be adaptable. And that kind of, that goes back to Wild Wild Us too. Like what I learned working on that project, mm-hmm. you have to be adaptable and things are going to change. And the project is going to end up, it's going to be what it was supposed to be. You know, it's never going right. to be right. what you wrote in that first draft, however many years ago, it's never going to be even what you thought on set, what you were trying mm-hmm. to do. The edit is a process I really enjoy because, you know, there's some quote where it's like you have three stages of writing. There's the script when you're on set and the final rewrite is on 
in the edit. Um, yeah. Bay. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a beautiful process and you have to like, you, you're kind of like, what's the thing? Kill your darlings. You kind of yeah. have to like remove yourself from it and really look at it objectively mm-hmm. and from like an audience perspective and decide what's going to be powerful and what you need to change and how you can manipulate it to be um, mm-hmm. the best thing that it can be. It might be different from what you had originally set out to, to make. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now. We're, we're still fairly early in the process just cause I was telling you this before we hopped on, started recording, but like logistically we're Joe and I are both remote and the rest of our post team is also remote. And, um, so matching schedules to sit down and have time to meet or to find the time to really get into the nuts and bolts of it is difficult, especially when you're remote, you're starting to work like I am, or you're still in school like Joe is. Um, and of course he's working as well. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process, but we're, we're getting there and we're starting to really get down into something that's, we can, we can really work with, with it. Um, yeah. First, like rough assembly was very, was unruly, you know, because <laughs> we got yeah. we got a lot of footage we shot for six days off a seven page script, but there was something like twenty scenes in it, you know. So it's it was an interesting from a script perspective because, the as you know, the way screenplays are formatted, it's supposed to roughly come out to like a minute per page, but that's assuming that you have a lot you have a any dialogue in your film, and this film was all action description, right? So we ended up shooting a seven page script and our first cut was like 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, So we just kind of, it's like a compressing it down into the, yeah. the absolute concentrated version of itself. And one of the hardest oh, parts yeah. about that, like, like you said, we all know the killing your darlings thing, but it can also be kind of hard to cut a shot. And then you think back and you're like, man, we, it, it took us three hours to get that shot. <laughs> and now we have to take it out. But that's the, yeah if it's for the sake of the sake of it being better that's what you got to do yeah Yeah. and that's just part of the process you know um yeah that's that's just what you got to do it just comes back to the territory and i'm actually i'm thankful that we had about two and a half almost three months separated between wrapping production and really getting into post because it allowed me to be have a certain amount of like emotional distance from yeah it you know Mm. um especially considering all the hurdles we had to go through to get this thing through production um having that distance gave me more of an objective eye to be able to look at the film with yeah Um, definitely so it sometimes maybe it's worth taking that taking time away from the project before you jump into post i totally think so i think that's a good time to reset and get into that more objective mindset um Cause then it's like, it's not like you just wrapped, you've taken a couple months and you've matured as a person and you've gone through these live experiences. And so now you get to look at it. Like, not that it's someone else's film, but it's just like, you can kind of separate yourself in a healthy way. <laughs> I mean, in a certain way, eventually you have to let it go. It's not, yeah. it's not really going to be your film after a certain point, it's going to be for an audience, you know? Yeah. So you kind of, I had to, I think I've had to stop thinking about it as being my film, you know, um, think about it that in that romantic way, because 
you know, people, somebody's got to see it at some point, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I can, yeah. you know, I have to think about it from what's going to be most effective from an audience perspective mm-hmm. um, and just fitting that through whatever my lens is and Joe's creative lens. And definitely. So you're in post-production now and the film is coming together more and more every day. And, you know, I guess you're kind of starting to see the, the wealth of what you're able to accomplish with all of the hurdles that we had to overcome. So what's, what's the one thing that you're taking away from junk that will always be close to you as you move into your next production, whenever that is? Uh, I think trust, having trust in your, in your team is incredibly important. You, if you don't have trust, then either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with your team and you need to fix it. And, um, I, I am naturally a little bit of a control freak. So, um, especially coming from like a producer background, you know, um, so letting go a little bit and having trust in everybody we were working with George Lila, the producing team, um, Sasha, our AD, sort of letting go and having trust that of course they are the best people right now for doing what they're going to do and um, having confidence in your team. I think that was really what I took away from it. Well, this is an exciting episode because, you know, one, you've been, um, I feel like this is a long time coming, you being on the podcast after we've been working together, but two, the Indiegogo campaign for junk is live. We just need a little extra funds to push this film through the finish line and you know send it to the festivals you want to send it to and all that kind of stuff so if you are so inclined after listening to this episode you should go to the first link in the description and um you know if you want make a contribution it will go a long way every little bit helps we're not trying to raise a ton of money so it's an achievable goal um but we just need a little bit to uh you know get over the hump so links to that are in the description aiden thank you so much for coming on this has been a really fun discussion i look forward to you know, the next thing you make and hopefully being a part of it in any way that I can. Um, I'm really, really proud of Chunk being a tungsten project. Uh, really wish I was on set, but I can just tell that like the energy y'all were able to create on set was really positive and healthy and it led to a really, really good project. And that was well written from the beginning. So very proud to be a part of it, even in the small way that I'm a part of it. And, um, I just can't wait to send it to some festivals and get it in front of other people, you know? Yeah. Thanks so much, West. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone, the next episode of the podcast comes out at 9 a.m. on Mondays. Also, be sure to check out the video version on our YouTube channel if you didn't know we're doing those. And, um, yeah, links to all the junk stuff, all the tungsten stuff will be in the description. And thank you guys for listening. See you in the next one.